Mr. Speaker. All right, it's time to get political here on the Otago Museum Breakfast. Joined uh, by with me now is uh, John Moore and Dr. Phil Ferguson. Morena to you both. Morena. Uh, we must uh, start off by saying that Sarah Martin has uh, left the show. Yeah, sadly so. Yes, yeah, yeah. But, uh, She's she a, has a lot of commitments. She does have yeah. a lot of commitments, and this was just, you know, the first one that fell by the wayside. Obviously, we were at the bottom of the pack. But uh, well, no, no, no. She's very busy. She's in Wellington, and it's a phone link, so that's yeah, so yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. But it's all right. We will, we will um, find somebody else to take Sarah's place. But right now, it's just us three lads. Yes. Lad chat. <laughs> oh well. Uh, right, one of New Zealand's biggest political scandals is playing out uh, this week. It has everything but murder. I mean, it's got it's got these Not yet. allegations <laughs> of corruption. There's uh, there's sex, there's narcissism. Um, there's shady groups with cash. Um, yet, um, as we see a lot in New Zealand politics, uh, you know, these allegations. You know, there's a smoking gun, but the smoking gun turns out to be a cap gun. Uh, that, that um, so real shots haven't really been fired from the side of Jamie Lee Ross, and if anything, uh, he's the one that's been decimated. For sure, I mean, uh, yes, it's played out very poorly for him so far. Um, however, uh, yes, he, I'm sure he has a lot more information, a lot more dirt. Uh, I'd imagine uh, many, many more tapes of recordings with MPs and with. Um, Simon Bridges. So, yes, uh, I think the National Party leadership will still be on edge and very worried about what more information co- could come out. And let's not forget, there is a possibility that Simon Bridges and others could go to prison uh, if more evidence comes out in regards to corruption and uh, in terms of breaking electoral law. Mm, yes, and um, so from that, uh, from the other side of the table, uh, Jamie Lee Ross's allegations have come out uh, about him, uh, you know, abuse of, of power, grooming, pressuring his way into sleeping with women, harassing them, um, you know, saying stuff like, my marriage is on the rocks, not wearing his wedding ring, uh, and doing heaps of other greaseball things. So, I mean, no matter what really happens now, he's not going to come out as any kind of winner. So, I mean, there's nothing really left in it for him other than destroy the party. Yeah, I think so. I think it would be very difficult for him now to continue to paint himself as a as a crusader and hero running against corruption in his former um, party. <laughs> but we live in extraordinary times, and, uh, you know, if more revelations come out which really damage the National Party, um, although I see it as highly unlikely, maybe... Um, maybe Ross could scrape in, in his electric again if he stood. I mean, uh, we live in times where um, politicians such as in America with, um, with the President Trump can be accused of the most uh, heinous crimes and, and uh, amorality and still have a platform to, to continue on in politics. So um, normally I'd say, no, there's no, his career's over, 100%, but I think it's, we live in extraordinary times where I don't know if you can make predictions like that anymore. Oh, I think I have a little bit more trust in the New Zealand public than I would in the American public. Yeah, I, I think there's also a difference in that he would have to actually win the vote to get 
uh, to hold on to Rodney in a by-election, whereas Trump didn't have to win the win the, the vote. Mm. And you got a couple of million less votes than Hillary, but True. the electoral college thing. Um, but I, I do agree, you know, like we're living in, in um, interesting times, and, you know, there certainly are upsets. Um, I guess what's... There's a couple of things that strike me about Jamie Lee Ross, like one of the women um, said, you know, he's a complete narcissist, mm. because... When he when he did the leak, was he so narcissistic that he d- didn't think about what the consequences were going to be for him? That Bridges and, and Bridges supporters were not just going to like, oh, you know, and throw their hands up and surrender. That there was enough sleazy stuff about him, and uh, nothing he's done seems to be law breaking. You know, I think at the end of the day his behaviour is between him and his wife and I mean personally I hope she shows him the door mm. <laughs> um, but that's that's up to them so he hasn't he hasn't broken the law he's just a major sleazebag and he wouldn't be the first politician and he certainly wouldn't be the first male to behave in that kind of a way mm-hmm. um, but there's just so much sleaze around him you know was he not aware that there would be blowback and that this would come out and that he was likely to be the one who came off worst. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I suppose it is always possible that Simon Bridges could go to jail, but I think it's very, very unlikely. You know, middle-class politicians don't get sent to jail. Not very often. You know, working-class people in you know, Maori and Pacific Island working-class people get sent to jail. There was one, oh, who was that, the Labour minister that ended up going to jail and he was getting people to do work on his houses and stuff. Yes. Oh, yeah, oh. And he were, uh, yeah, um, Philip Taito Field. Yeah, that's right. He did go to jail, didn't he, in the end? Yeah, he did go to prison. Mm. Um, right, um, you know. Briefly. I mean, everyday political games are coming out in public here. I mean, abuses of power, dodgy money, um, the rich paying for seats at the table, and and this is you know this is this is a big one for me and one that hasn't been talked about too much. I mean, you get a sense that you know you get a large donation has been made from the take that a large donation has been made uh, on the provision on the proviso that someone close to that money gets a seat or gets a shot at being on the national list and then it goes into some kind of race draft um, or you know mm. oh, a Chinese and a Filipino or two Chinese got a bit better than two Indians you know I mean that's it was outrageous and, and you know that's straight racism Phil well it's kind of interesting because you know the National Party and you know, a couple of decades ago and its predecessors um, the Reform Party and originally the uh, United, originally the Liberal Party, plus Labour in the early days were extremely anti-Chinese. Now it's kind of interesting. Like the National Party isn't really racist in the way it used to be. If you've got money, it doesn't really care whether if you're Chinese. You know, whereas it used to be Chinese. No, you know, mm, like mm. from Labour and National and the the predecessors. Now Chinese, if you've got money, it's it's fine. So it's interesting how money has kind of overruled the old, the old kind of mm. racism. But yeah, I mean, it's tied up with, well, is this better than Indians? And maybe Indians might be seen as being um, less capitalistically minded than, than Chinese or more likely to, to be Labour or... Yeah, 
Well, mm. But we're a lot more multicultural now too. Yes. I mean, if you look yeah. at fifteen percent of Auckland's population is of Chinese, or uh, yeah, I think I think just straight Chinese heritage. Yeah, and or Asian. I think Asian. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, and the number of people in Auckland born outside New Zealand is you know it's a very significant mm. section of, of that the population. So na- I mean, National knows and Labor knows this as well that in order to get elected and to be have any shot at being the so-called natural party of government and to be in power for any length of time you have to embrace multiculturalism and that's a big change you know like that's a demographic change in New Zealand uh, population but it's also a change in who we do business with yeah. like you know we didn't used to do business with China at all it used to be Britain was the number one in America and Australia um, and now China's the number one yeah, I mean, the Pacific vote was always important to the Labour Party. Yes. Mm. It was a yeah. huge one. And now, mm. you know, I think uh, we're playing identity mm. politics in terms of race these days. It's yep. becoming a, a bigger mm. part of New Zealand, the New Zealand political game. Um, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it's interesting. So nothing has really come out that is illegal in the tapes, all the text messages that were released. So uh, where is he really going? Is he, is he just setting a platform for some for the actual Big Bang? Are we actually going to see it? Well, I think the police uh, at the moment will be investigating the claims by Jamie Lee Ross, and certainly it shows that um, there was this 100,000 donation uh, which was never declared, and, um, and, and if it was um, knowingly broken up uh, to avoid actually revealing the true data, then from my understanding that's illegal, illegal activity which can lead to imprisonment. So... Um, I think uh, certainly Simon Bridges and the national leadership have a lot of questions to answer and I'm sure they'll be answering questions uh, to the police. I think in relation to this uh, donation there is a wider question of, uh, this sounds a bit conspiratorial, but wider question of the role of the Chinese government in all of this. So Zhang Yikong, who the um, 100,000 donation supposedly came from uh, was a member of the Communist Party's consultative conference in Hainan province for five years um, and and uh, one way that the Chinese government is trying to project itself globally is through uh, close relationships with Chinese uh, business people and politicians and officials in, in other countries such as New Zealand um, so uh, as absurd and conspiratorial as it might sound, uh, are the is the Communist Party of China's hands uh, uh, involved in this uh, <laughs> in this donation conspiracy? And certainly, Professor Anne Marie Brady um, um, uh, uh, of New Zealand has done a lot of work on on the projection of, of soft power from China. And remember, she had her house broken into recently. So. Yeah, it'll be fascinating if, if if her and other academics are able to to delve more into what's going on in terms of uh, soft power projection from China. Yeah, well, there is a, a, a real chess battle going on in uh, the Asia Pacific region right now mm. with the Chinese, with Australia and New Zealand uh, and the United States backing there as well. Mm. In the Pacific Islands, you've got um, large projects being carried out with Chinese money, the backing of the mm. Chinese government in nations like. Uh, um, in Nauru and, and, and even in um, um, uh, Tonga 
Qatar mm. and, and a few others. So, yeah, there's a real uh, geopolitical game going on. So, I mean, if the Chinese could get a foot in the New Zealand Parliament, I'm, I'm sure that's something that they would really look yeah. at doing. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm always kind of a bit weary about this, partly because, like John said, this we sort of conspira- conspiratorial whiff off them. On the other hand, you know, governments and business do actually conspire. Yeah. Um, so the fact that it sounds conspiratorial doesn't entirely rule it out. <laughs> well, wow, we're I'm, about I'm, to talk about Saudi soon. Yeah. So. <laughs> but I'm always a little bit weary when it focuses on the Chinese because, you know, there is a terrible legacy of Sinophobia in New Zealand. Yeah. And I'm, I, I kind of, when people bang on about the Chinese, I always think, yeah, you know, like it's a horrible regime in, in China. Um, but you know, the same people don't quite bang on as much about the Americans. Yeah. And, uh, you know, True. if you look around the world, the Americans have probably done more damage and undermined democracy more than what the you know the Chinese have. And there's this kind of like American hostility to China because they're actually, although they call themselves communists, I mean, like, they're actually doing a better job of running capitalism at present than what the Americans are. <laughs> you know, so the Americans have got, you know, they wanted an end to communist China and now that they've got it and they've got, you know, a lot of unbridled capitalism going on in China and they don't like that either. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm always a little bit I'm always a little bit weary, including of, of Anne-Marie Brady's um, work um, she's in the polls department at, at Canterbury. I'm just always a little bit weary about that stuff. I feel uncomfortable just talking about it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, so I mean, where does, where's National sitting right now? And, uh, you know, is, can Bridges recover from this? I don't think so. But, you know, can National, is, is this going to see a dip in the poll from National? Are we going to see those middle of the road uh, voters maybe pulling away? From, from the Nats mm-hmm. uh, you know I mean the hardcore support won't care I don't think but will we see those you know flip-flopping voters perhaps uh, lean more towards Labour after this crisis we're still a long way out from the election yeah it's a, I think it's a real possibility that there'll be a severe dip in the polls for National um, um, possibly their uh, support base uh, within Asian communities will be severely hurt over the, the revelations of sort of their uh, more sort of uh, uh, Simon Bridges rather cynical attitude towards sort of uh, an opportunist attitude to bring in uh, Asian people within the National Party um, and yeah, as I said, I'm sure there's more revelations that are going to come out. Um, Jamie Lee Ross very astutely is drip-feeding this information, so it, uh, so um, it remains a major news story every day. Mm. Um, and, yeah, will Simon Bridges survive? Uh, who will take over from him if, he, if he's uh, booted out? Collins, Collins, yes. Collins. Come on. <laughs> we, that's what we but, all want. But the problem is, yeah, I mean, it would be entertaining, but the problem is she's so abrasive that she's got this sort of base of support in in National who I would say are the the less sophisticated members of the National Party who want someone who's, you know, abrasive and very right-wing on economic things. I mean, she's quite liberal on on a number of social Mm. issues. Um, But, you know, the power players in the National Party don't want some abrasive economic right-wing person yeah you know that they, they want enough they need another key yeah and I think they thought that maybe bridges would would do that so yeah the problem for them is who would they replace him with because 
I don't know, maybe Judith, I, yeah, I'd, I'm dubious about whether she would have the numbers, but even if, if she did, I, I think it would be very hard for them to win an Does election. Does it really matter at this point, though? We saw a couple of years out from an election, yeah. get a caretaker in until you yeah. find someone better, then boot them out. I mean, it yeah. worked for Labour. Mm. It worked yeah. for Labour, you know, but to find another but key Labor, or... Yeah, Labour was just very lucky, because if, if Jacinda Ardern hadn't have been there... They would have been screwed. Oh, same would be said for, for Key when he first got in. If Key hadn't been there, yeah. Clark would have won that election. Probably, yeah. 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 I mean, it, it's strange, isn't it? Like, you know, one person can actually make make a make a difference yeah. because politics in New Zealand is so trite. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortun- unfortunately, like, it's not a good comment on the... On the Population, no. frankly. Do you think that maybe, like, uh, almost leaving this topic, um, do you think maybe, you know... with We've seen this kind of stuff go on before, uh, and the rules have had to be changed around donations. Uh, and do you think maybe we'll see them changed again? And maybe there needs to be something like a central register, so all the money goes into a central government uh, agency, and then goes out to the parties from there. Yeah, if, if, if there's a sort of a, a public cry out for more regulation, uh, that could very well happen. Um, it, it, it's not in the interest of any of the political parties to make <laughs> uh, um, donation rules tougher, but uh, if there is that call for uh, reform and re- more regulation, then I think it could well happen, definitely. Yeah, and, yeah. and especially, again, as more revelations start to come out about this whole um, donation saga, uh, and, and, and yeah, the focus goes on discussions around business influence and, as I said, with potentially Chinese government influence, then, yeah. Um, reform could be on the agenda. Uh, Alright, let's move on to Saudi Arabia. Under the spotlight, after a former political insider turned critic of the um, royal family, uh, went missing after entering the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. Um, what do we know, John? Well, we, we, we know that Jamal Khashoggi, uh, Saudi dissident and uh, journalist critical of the Saudi Arabian government, went into the consulate in Istanbul in Turkey and uh, wasn't seen to come out at all. Yeah. So um, the, there's some speculation or there's actually some uh, um, talk that um, the, the conversation or what happened in this consulate was recorded. Initially people were claiming it was on um, Khashoggi's Apple Watch, but yeah. that's not really a possibility. Uh, the more likely possibility is that the whole place is bugged by the Turkish government and they've got recordings <laughs> of uh, what could have been a very grisly murder. Um, some of the details coming up, that, yeah, that he was tortured, well, uh, I, that he was chopped up, yeah, just horrible I, stuff. I heard someone talking about the tape yesterday, someone who had listened to it. Oh, right. And it kind of begins with them uh, threatening to cut his fingers off, then they cut his fingers off. Uh, and then they proceed, I think there's seven minutes of uh, torture uh, to the, um, someone goes out of the office, tells everybody in the in the consulate to turn their stereos up, it's going to get loud. Um, the, the, the head of the consulate, I can't remember um, their name, he asks if they can do it outside, uh, that uh, wish is denied. Uh, and then seven minutes of, of torture yeah, and stuff. then it stops. And apparently stuff. like those 15 Saudi men that came off those two planes um, apparently they had a bone saw with them. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Horrific. Yeah. Horrific. <laughs> and, and some people might say, oh, this just seems completely over the top. How could a, uh, 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 
a, a, a nation state or in government order such a horrendous um, activity to go on. But let's remember Saudi Arabia um, has public executions where they behead people for such uh, alleged crimes such as witchcraft and homosexuality and adultery. So this is a pretty horrendous and barbaric um, regime that exists in Saudi Arabia. And despite the, the crown prince being sort of labelled a, 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 a new woke <laughs> liberal leader, well, then look- um, he, he is more flexible around religious issues for sure, but he's not flexible around dissent. Yeah. Uh, uh, in fact, he, he's um, completely cracked down on dissent uh, in the country. Well, he's just trying to future-proof his kingdom. Like, mm, that yes. money's going to run out one day. They've got this whole 2030 vision thing going on. Uh, they're trying to get tech companies in to come. They're having yes. all these expos. Tech, tech companies mm. come here, uh, and a lot of them are pulling out, and Saudi money's mm. being pulled out of their projects. I think a billion dollars was pulled yeah. out of Virgin's um, hyperlink just yesterday. Yeah. Mm. I mean, keep in mind that although you never hear this on the media, it's actually a vicious dictatorship. Mm. It's not a democracy. You know, Saudi Arabia has talked about like it's just some ordinary, normal, you know, democracy that's the ally of, of the United States and Britain and that New Zealand is friends with as well. I mean, Key went there in 2015 and there's a picture of him with his usual dopey grin. Well, let's not forget about the farm. Sitting there, yes. yeah, yeah, with members of the dictatorship. The past three years, every year, they've beheaded about 150 people. Public beheadings, I mean, that's one every, like, two and a bit days. Mm. They're taken into the square in, in the capital, Riyadh, at nine o'clock in the morning, and they're beheaded with a crowd watching, mainly young men. So these, this section of the Saudi population are being inculcated with the idea that this is, you know, perfectly acceptable behaviour to carry out these beheadings. And like John said, the... The death penalty in Saudi is for things like you know, witchcraft, <laughs> um, mm. homosexuality, mm. blasphemy. With adultery, it's stoning yeah. rather than, than beheading. And I like at least with beheading, it's one blow, and apparently the executioner is pretty good at his job. With stoning, a pretty horrible way to, way to die. It's a brutal it's regime. It's a brutal, brutal regime. Half the workforce in Saudi <laughs> is migrant workers, who are treated just appallingly. Mm. Like at the start of one year, I think it might have been 2013, there was about 45 maids on death row mm. because they had killed their masters or their, or their mistresses, their bosses, you know, just because they were treated so horrendously. And they're stuck there with absolutely no rights. And eventually... Oh, they have your passports, don't they? They, they? Yeah, eventually they can't stand the foul treatment mm. by the Saudi upper class. Um, so it's it's a horrendous regime, and you know, they've murdered thousands and thousands of people in Yemen. Yemen's on the verge of a famine that affects most of the country, um, and the uh, New Zealand's buddy, mm-hmm. and Britain, the United States, and France in the last kind of ten or twelve years have sold them in New Zealand dollars about forty billion dollars worth of arms. And look at their new deal with the United States. And that, going uh, yeah. Through now. Trump, and the, during his election campaign, denounced them as being a source of terrorism and, and blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as he got elected, the first place he goes to visit is Saudi Arabia, and he signs a, a deal, um, an arms deal, for about 12 billion New Zealand dollars, I think it was 7.8 billion American dollars, of, of arms sales. It's crazy. Um, why, why aren't we just looking at alternative sources of power 
of energy creation and and the like, and then you don't have to because I mean it all comes down to a three little word oil, yeah. and the money that's created mm. from that. That's what it's all about energy security, right? Mm. Yeah. Well, an, another factor is um, geopolitics in the Middle yeah. East. So mm. there's mm. there's real tension throughout the wider Middle East of who are, who is the dominant power. Is it Turkey? Is it Saudi Arabia? Is it, uh, yeah. is it Iran or yeah. even Israel? And the West has taken the side with the Sunni chauvinists of uh, Saudi Arabia and with Israel. And there is a, a tacit um, agreement, if not alliance, between Israel and, and, and Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, they see the main threat as being uh, Iran, um, a Shia Islamic State, and its projection of power th- um, throughout the Middle East. So there's competition for uh, control and power and influence in the Middle East. The West on the whole has decided to take the side of the, the, the Sunni chauvinists, the Wahhabists in Saudi Arabia, who again are in a tacit agreement with Israel. Um, yeah, and it's, the, the moral compasses have to be sort of chucked out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in deciding who to take a side with in the Middle East, because they're all pretty abysmal um, regimes, from Israel to Iran to Syria to Turkey, etc. Um, but yeah, the West has decided, uh, and Trump is continuing off that policy of siding with the, the Saudis. But I say again, if there was no oil in the Middle East, would we be going through this? No, would it'd be we far be, less important. Would, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, you know, I mean, this, it's not like we don't have these kinds of groups in Africa. It's not like we don't have Sunnis and Shiites in Africa, and uh, you know, Islamic State wasn't in, isn't there doing things and kidnapping girls and yeah. and all this kind of stuff. But we don't yeah. see you yeah. know this, this kind of game plan going on there. And a factor in Saudi Arabia is where the oil is as well, because it's concentrated in the east where the Shiite population is concentrated. So the oil-rich areas have this concentration of Shiites who look more towards Iran than necessarily thinking that the Sa- the Saud family and their Wahhabism is, you know, the, is the right way. But it's also interesting, like, these people were put in power by the British. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't think the British should have had anything to do with it in the first place, but there were actually two factions in, Sa- in, in the Arabian Peninsula. The one that Lawrence of Arabia worked with, which was actually not as extreme and, and fundamentalist, um, but the British ruling elite opted for the most reactionary, the most fundamentalist. Um, and these people, I mean, they carried out massacres, including in Mecca, actually. They massacred thousands and thousands of people in Mecca in order to take over the, the peninsula and set up Saudi Arabia in the early 1930s. Because they offered British petroleum the vast amounts of land. Yeah, well then they kind of fell out with the British and they started making deals with the Americans mm, mm, mm. and the Americans replaced the Brits. Oh, well, we've, we've, we've run out of time um, but I mean this, can will we see anything really come of this? I mean, even if it's found that you know, I mean, if that tape was correct, and it is found that he was murdered in the, in the consulate in Turkey, it's still Saudi land. Is anything really going to come of it? I think so, because um, it, although um, Saudi Arabia is left to its own internal affairs, it, it, it's, um, it's, it's gone to another level in carrying out an assassination in a, another country, and that's incredibly... I mean, you've seen the number of, of corporates and governments that are now distancing themselves, ostensibly distancing themselves from the Saudis. For how long? Um, 
I think it just it, it becomes. I guess the public will become more aware and more focused on the negative mm. sides of Saudi Arabia, and mm. yeah, it does. It makes things a lot more difficult for the West now. You know, yeah. what what's New Zealand going to do? What's Jacinda Ardern going to say? Um, um, you, you can't project yourself as a liberal, cuddly, uh, loving politician and keep siding up to a barbaric regime or remaining silent about a barbaric regime. Well, I'm sure the Russians can just sell arms to the Saudis and they can just get along happily <laughs> together and just. Just do the same thing, do the things they keep on doing. Go to other people's nations and murder their people. Yeah. Um, thank you very much. Cheers. Here's King